I'm having my one. Hello and welcome to the I'm Having My One podcast, a podcast all about board games. Firstly, worth saying that you will no doubt notice through this episode uh, that it is just myself, Tom, and Paul again here. Neil has decided to take a bit of a break from the podcast, so you're stuck with just us for now. For those Neil fans out there, don't worry, we will be doing our best to fill the gap with lots of engaging content this year, including bringing back some old guests and inviting some new ones onto the pod. This is our first record since the Christmas break, so Happy New Year, Paul. Did you have any exciting gaming activities over the Christmas break? Uh, a few little bits and pieces. We we tend to do a, a New Year's Eve not going anywhere and sitting playing board games, which is... Love it. Is a, a massive highlight for my year. So uh, we had some had some good games. Had a friend over for that as well. So uh, there were six of us. So it was kind of more the lighthearted party games than anything too right. in depth. But we did manage to squeeze a game of Carcassonne in, which has got uh, Joe got me the uh, Fairy and the Dragon expansion, which uh, allows you to be a bit more aggressive in attacking. So that was nice. Fun. Not just uh, about throwing the rubber around the place anymore then. Very good, very good. Lots of games this side as well. We did uh, some, as you say, some party games around the place. I actually had a little go um, with my nephew at the Lord of the Rings adventure book game. I haven't spoken to you about that at all. Oh. Uh, it's actually really fun. Very simple, but but really good. Um, so I, I got a copy of that, so I'll, I'll come back and complete that at some point, and then you can, you can borrow. Uh, right, for this 41st episode... The first one of 2024, as we were saying, uh, we're going to be chatting about the game we have just played right now, Seven Wonders Duel, and then looking at the year ahead uh, with our 2024 gaming objectives. Gosh, what a way to begin the year. Bang in. Seven Wonders Duel is a game from 2015. Uh, from Antoine Bowser and Repos Productions. Uh, this is a an offshoot, if you like, of game from 2010, Seven Wonders, that we reviewed all the way back very sensibly on episode number seven. And uh, it, with Seven Wonders Duel, you're very much in the same world of uh, of the ancient civilizations, uh, I think sort of Egypt and Phoenicians, Greece, all this kind of thing, and you are building out your city from a selection of cards. The game with Seven Wonders Jewel, which is probably work out, is a two-player variant of this. And it's something that we have played on and off for quite a while, right? Um, but fairly recently, we both managed to pick up a relatively cheap copy. And so it's been great to actually get it to the table. Because I think mostly, I think I might have played it um, with Neil once in person, but otherwise we've just been doing on on TTS. So Seven Wonders was a game that we rated reasonably highly. What what are your initial thoughts on Seven Wonders Jewel, Paul? I prefer Seven Wonders Jewel, I think. Right. Uh, I mean, mainly because I think it's an easier one to get to the table. Mm -hmm. It's quite a quick game, but they've they've kind of encompassed everything you need from the original Seven Wonders. Because sometimes the two-player spin-offs actually can bear very little resemblance to 
the, the game itself. Whereas I think this very much feels like the original Seven Wonders in the way you're kind of trying to build up your little playing area. So as you're going through the ages, you're looking to, you know, acquire the cheaper stuff early on that's going to give you that push you need to get the victory in the end. Right. And I think it's like we said with Seven Wonders, uh, the main version, it's sort of thematically works quite nicely mostly at the beginning you're kind of getting your resources like having a, a, a quarry or a a clay pit uh you know logging camp all this kind of stuff and then you gradually get the the more uh advanced buildings going through so we, obviously we've been through that uh, a bit before um so maybe we don't need to go in too much detail but one of the things that's obviously different is anyone who's played seven wonders uh it will know is that that is a card drafting game, the main seven wonders, right? That you have your set of cards, pass, take one, pass around, take one, pass around again and again over three ages. But this one here, it just doesn't really make sense to do that with two players, right? So you've got this really actually quite elegant way of laying those um, those cards out in, call it a triangle, kind of, yeah. kind of-ish. Think, think, think shape. It's in a shape. And... <laughs> you can see some of the cards to select from and others are, are face down so as you are selecting your um your cards and that is again same kind of thing take a card and either place it in your city or use it to build a wonder um we'll come back to wonders in a minute we can sell the card to get to get money um and the resources that you've got help you maybe get those or the buildings you previously built to allow you to get those for cheaper or maybe even free um but there's this lovely kind of gamble right as you're going through that you, you got your first layer imagine of face-up cards to, that you can see but then behind those there are the face down cards if you can kind of imagine a, a pyramid kind of gradually going up uh, of uh you know you know imagine sort of six cards then five cards four cards etc so that mechanism where selecting your cards can sort of have lots of different consequences is really great, right? As you say, they took the drafting element out of original Seven Wonders, but because of the way you have to pick your cards, it's kind of got that sort of drafting element in it because, yes, there's the face-down random ones, so you might uncover something really good, but there's also that choice of, oh, I'd really like card A. However, if I do that, then you're able to pick up card B that would suit you really nicely. So then... Yeah. It, it's a more involved level of tactics, I think, than the simple card drafting of Seven Wonders because you want to pick the cards that are going to be best for for your, your hand. Yeah. But at the same time, you might actually want to sacrifice what would be better for your hand so that you stop the, you know, stop your opponent getting something that's going to be absolutely amazing for them. Right. It could be game winning. Right. Yeah. And this is much more than in regular seven wonders. You kind of really need to keep an eye on what your opponents are doing in regular seven wonders. There's a mechanic with the military uh, and there's some other bits as well. You kind of keep an eye on what your neighbor's doing, but you don't need to worry too much with this. You absolutely need to watch your city being built out but also what your neighbour is doing because yeah, you, you hand them that card and they've, they've got it. Yes. Yeah. And so I think what's really clever about this is much like original seven wonders, you're aiming to get to the end of the third age 
and then have scored through different combinations the most amount of points. Right. But the game can end early in two different ways. So either through a military military through a military victory. Uh, <laughs> Who's military? <laughs> military. Um, My name is military. <laughs> You can you can either win through a military victory. So as you go on, if you take the military cards, there's a little track where you're moving an army up and down toward, you know, hopefully getting it towards the opponent, which is going to cause them to immediately lose. And then there's also a scientific victory. So if you can get six different science symbols at any point in the game, and admittedly that's not going to happen till the third age because of how the cards work, but. As soon as you get that, game ends, you've won, forget about the victory points. Yeah. Yeah, and so by taking one of those cards, there are all sorts of consequences of that, potentially handing victory to opponent in, in a variety of different ways because the cards behind it that are not turned over until you've selected your card are, you know, could be anything, right? And and yeah. so it's full of... Things that I think we all like in board games, I, I believe that moments where you go, you know, man, I didn't didn't realise that was going to be uh, what was behind there. I was hoping that wasn't going to be there. You know, the uh, anything but that card moment is great. Yeah, and then obviously, as you lay out the cards for your three ages, every time you do that, you have to discard three or four of them. I think every time right so you, you're not always playing with that entire set of cards yeah so you might be sort of really hoping a an army card comes up that's going to give you the final push that's face down but that might have been discarded right at the start of the game and, and will never be coming out for sure yeah which yeah. there's which good variety really, there right as well yeah. i think that's great yeah because i think some games you play that have cards <sighs> Do, do you know, I'm, I'm going to say something negative about Discworld. What? What? But because it's the same deck of cards, you can, if you've played the game a lot, which I have, you can kind of think to yourself, okay, well, we haven't had the Death card. We haven't had, you know, the, the Rincewind card come out. So you, you can kind of be, in it, be expecting it to come out soon. Yeah. Or, or play around that. But what Seven Wonders Duel does is, because you have to discard some of them, there is still a little bit of unknown about what is coming. Right. It's not impossible that through the cards that are taken out, a scientific victory, if not uh, really difficult, is almost impossible, right? Yeah. Because the you know to get six of those different technologies, technology cards is uh, is really hard work so in the game you've got these things that are called economy progress tokens right just talk quickly through what what those are and their relevance to the game yeah so at the start of the game again and you randomly draw five of these progress tokens that sit at the top and if when you're getting your science cards out mm -hmm. if you can get a matching pair then you get to take one of these progress tokens. Some of them will give you end-of-game victory points. Some of them will give you instant money. And then other others will give you bonuses, such as when your opponent takes a certain action or when you do a certain thing, you get extra bonuses on top of that. 
I think there was one you were saying you you don't like. So this is it: is that these can be massive. There's some that are just there. You go. There's seven victory points. Great. But there's others that I was really interested that you didn't take it. I don't know whether it's because before we we played, I said, "Oh, I think that 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 token is broken." There is a random selection that you have of these, and there is this particular one which is sorry because they're not all called economic progress tokens. That was a big spoiler for what I was talking about. They're called progress tokens, and the specific one that I think has issues is the economy progress token because what it lets you do if you take that is receive instead of the money that uh, your opponent is spending on on improving their city, just going to the bank. All of that, if you take that progress token, goes to you instead which you know is, is bonkers there's so many times in the game where the amount of money that you have massively informs your decision of what you're going to do um because you can always buy resources through having enough cash that i, I remember the times that i've played it and not got it well, that's just crazy like that is one token that i'd almost take that out there take it out of there why didn't you take it in our game so I didn't take it for two reasons. The first, I had a lot of things coming up that were going to give me money. Right. And then also, you had built up quite a good supply of those base building cards. So your wood, your stone, your clay, but then also your your scientific, uh, not scientific, what's it, papyrus and... Yeah. Glass? Uh, glass, yeah. Right, yeah, so, so you, I had the resources, so I wasn't going to spend it, I see. Yeah. So you weren't going to spend it. if you were. Whereas actually, I didn't have many of those particular things, so I knew it was going to be expensive for me spending them. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, um, yeah it so, makes sense. So that's why I didn't take it. Instead, I then took something that would just give me end-of-game victory points. What's your opinion on that token, though? I've never had a game where it's kind of broken the game. Really? Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I think I've had two games where it's come out and on both occasions I can distinctly remember thinking that that's crazy. Maybe it's just because it became, it came into the game. It's that's one that my opponent selected early on. Yeah. Because if you were lucky enough to get two science tags, the same and technology tags, whatever they're called. And, be able to select that one in the first round you surely just then minted for the rest of the game yeah I you're think, right so it gets it becomes less important through the game but yeah because i think the other one that that i've got absolutely hammered by once was uh there's a token where so if you want to get a card some of them are free mm. Some of them cost gold and those resources we talked about. Yeah, but yeah. some of them, if you've previously built something else and you get these little white icons, whether it be a horseshoe or a sun or you yeah, know, whatever yeah. it might be, you can then get kind of the the either the sort of matching or upgrade card for that for free if you've already got that white token. Um, then there's a progress token that if you use those white instant build abilities hmm. you also get i think it's gold or something oh wow just so happened i was playing joe who was just using those white builds every single time right and then I just got absolutely hammered so hmm. i think any of those progress tokens can have 
huge game-changing impact. But I think that's the point of them. I think sure. you know, it's, sure. it's about getting the right one at the right time. If you get yeah. it right at the end of the game, it's not going to do anything for you. Right, and you will have put some effort into getting those that, in theory, you then not spent those turns on uh, on getting somebody else that gives you victory points, right? So it, 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 it's as any choice, it's a little bit of a gamble. It's an interesting little tip in there that I think in the original, as I understand it, the original Seven Wonders, those tags were were not part of it, or if they were, I think they were much less clear. And in Seven Wonders, they sort of introduced that as a way of being able to display them. Um, and I think they were kind of, yeah, they were in the original, they were kind of, they were there, but they were just little sort of written tags against cards. Yeah. Really unclear. This iconography they've done with the little white symbols um, since Seven Wonders Jewel, and then in, in future editions of Seven Wonders or print runs, um, is really good. I think that's that was uh, a real, real improvement. Uh, and while we're talking about iconography, I think it's worth saying the artwork is great. It, Fantastic, isn't it? It fits the theme. You know, it's not comicy, but it's sort of bright to the point of you can tell. You know, right? That's a science card. That's a military card. That's a building card. Mm. Whatever it might be, you know, they're really clear. But then they've got really good artwork yeah cool okay um we the game is called seven wonders we've referenced them a little bit but we haven't really spoken about the wonders very much so they are still a part of this game and a way of being able to get a a whole series of points um there is a limit on them the number that can be built you have a selection of four each that you sort of draft at the beginning of the game a total of seven can be built across the game the the effects of these are largely similar to Seven Wonders, with one exception um, that I want to talk some more about, where you pay basically a large number of resource for it. You know, maybe four stone and a and a papyrus. I think one of mine was, um, and then you get some sort of reward with victory points or something on going through the game. But in Seven Wonders Duel, you have this ability to have another go. Annoyingly, at the beginning of the game when we drafted, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you snarfled up all all three of the the wonders that had those on, but that is a fantastic uh, uh, ability on those cards, right? The the ability when you play it, when you complete it, you get to have another go. Yeah, it's it's so powerful because you know we talked right at the start of this about it's almost like that drafting mechanism isn't it where you're you're trying to work out what cards you want but to stop your opponent getting potentially even a better card you have to take a card from that pyramid regardless of what action you're doing whether you are building something selling something or building a wonder mm -hmm. so you're always then revealing potentially more cards so by being able to build a wonder and then immediately have another go and take something that's incredible that's strong it it can yeah i mean i i think having those probably gave me the edge i needed in this game because it, you came incredibly close to getting the military victory yeah yeah to the point i had to spend a lot of money to buy a military card just to kind of take the mm. pressure off any two-player game that you manage to have two goes back to back is is going to be a, a big boon um and I really wish I'd remembered that when we were drafting. Yeah. Yeah, well, 
Next you're, time. You're no, for, no for future games. <laughs> but then also, like, you pick the big victory points, and there was one that absolutely killed me where you built a wonder that meant I lost my one papyrus. Yeah. And and so then suddenly, for me, putting my next couple of wonders that were papyrus heavy, mm. suddenly got really expensive because I didn't have another card that could do it. And again, sorry to go back to the same thing again, but I do really like that in the in the course of the game that, you know, you might get a papyrus in the first uh, age or you might get it in the, the, the second age, but you really need one by the third age. And that idea that your city has gone from its foundations to its development to its, you know, its absolute um, classical era. And in that classical era, to be able to get to that point, you need to have paper to write down because your scribes, you know, got to got to write stuff down. It's potentially applying maybe a little bit too much theme and imagination onto this game, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's those sort of things that I do really really enjoy. Oh, I think it, I think it works really well. Mm. Right, scores. What do we reckon then for seven wonders? So seven wonders. I think you said you scored seven point five. Yep. You already said that you think seven wonders jewel is better. It is better. So where you end up? So, two-player games that we have done on here. Star Wars deck-building game, I gave it an 8.7. It's not as good as that. Okay. (laughs) Hero Realms, I gave an 8.3, and it's better than that. I prefer Seven Wonders. However much I I rave on about Hero Realms and... And and Star Realms, I do think this is a much better game, and I would rather rather play that. I think I'll split the difference with an eight point five for Seven Wonders Duel. Great, and it is we've missed it out really from what we we have spoken about so far. But it is a super quick game. We knew what we were doing mostly, but we buzzed through that in no time at all. Right, I think you could you could play that in half an hour. I wouldn't be surprised if our actual play time was half an hour. I, cool. I actually think sometimes working out your score can take just as long as playing the game. <laughs> uh, so 8.5. Um, I've been trying to have a think about this ever since we finished playing. Of Which do I think is better? I gave Seven Wonders an 8. Yep. And I don't think I can really split them because I really enjoy seven wonders as well and i think there's something about the 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 you know playing that with a large number of people and then passing the cards around and everyone's cities kind of build out um is really great uh and has lots of fantastic things that i adore about it in the same way as i do seven wonders jewels so i'm not going to make my life difficult and i'm just going to score them both an eight i think they are excellent games both of them um so yeah it's a double eight for the Seven Wonders team. Fantastic. So 16. I think that's how that works. <laughs> Divided by seven. Those were our thoughts on Seven Wonders Duel. You can pick a copy of this game up pretty cheaply. Um, if you're willing to get a second-hand copy, you, I've seen them on eBay for, for less than £10. Um, but uh, if you want a brand new one, it, it's definitely a game you can get for about 15 quid um, if you uh, just watch out for a, a low price. And... It's the kind of game that you will see at places as we did. We picked up our copies, you picked up our copies from TK Maxx. It's a, it's a broad appeal game. So you may see it in those sorts of not 
specific gaming uh, uh, locations and then hopefully get a, a good price. On to some other things. It is somehow now 2024, which feels like a date out of a sci-fi movie somehow. <laughs> As it is the beginning of the year, we thought we'd start talking about um, what we want to achieve in gaming this year. Um, and also we'll start with having a quick look back on 2023 and the objectives we set ourselves a year ago. Because after all, nothing gives you more motivation to set and achieve your objectives for a new year than looking back on how badly you failed to achieve them last year. However, let's find out. So, Paul, you've got your 2023 objectives in front of you, I think. So uh, how did you get on with those? Yeah, so I think um, my objectives were largely successful. So one of them was to complete my Shelf of Shame. I only had three games on the Shelf of Shame that I wanted to play. And good news, I managed to get at least one game in of each of those, and some of them quite a few. The bad news is I've actually finished with a larger Shelf of Shame <laughs> so i don't know if a gaming objective going into 2024 is to finish this shelf of shame but it feels like i think that's like a fine objective by itself right it's just try and get to the end of the year and have completed all of the played all the games that you started it with yeah well excluding christmas presents yeah okay so objective number one is to finish the year excluding christmas games because it doesn't give you enough time right but to finish the year with no shelf of shame simple as that have no shelf of shame for the whole year that's gonna well, you're gonna have, no, to no, have so no shelf of shame at the end of the year at the end of the year at the end of the year yeah okay not including christmas yeah okay yeah the <laughs> you're just gonna be through the year having to be so careful about what you're buying like you get to yeah. september you're right not buying anything just can't right. add to it Unfortunately, September's my birthday as well, so there's right. <laughs> games, and then I pick myself up one. So uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, yeah, I've, I do have a few I need to get through. So, so of those, what what is perhaps number one? Number one is Brian Baru. Right, this I, is the Osprey really, game. Yeah, I Osprey really want to play it. I just need to find because it's a three player game. Oh, it's three players, what, is it? I don't three, think I... three to five. Right, right, right. At minimum three. So I just need to find two people willing to play it. Cool. Um, hopefully more. And uh, maybe a games weekend, but I guess we'll be getting onto that later. Come back to that later, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my other two objectives for the year for gaming last year were to attend the UK Games Expo. Listen back to previous episodes. We did that and had a great time. Did it in style. Then, and then the one I didn't manage was on the back of having a wonderful game of uh having a game of twilight imperium at seb's house in 22 was clearly buoyant and saying i really want to have another game of twilight imperium which i didn't manage and that was more due to a scheduling conflict where we decided to play some more games and i couldn't get kind of two weekends on the trot to play games so i sadly had to miss twilight for this year so uh Going a whole year, you went a whole, whole year, year. no twilight. twilight ones. We also, I think, when I was listening to it, you were talking. We were at the time thinking about doing one in March, and in the end, we en uh, ended up coming up to you yeah. in the cold north 
and had a spectacular weekend of playing all sorts of other games instead, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. So I don't feel I've missed out because there were other amazing things that happened. Fair enough. Fair enough. We have played that game every year for the last few years. For you, you've got no, you've got a whole, you've got a debt to repay. I think you have to play it twice this year to make up for it. I'm okay with that. What about you? What were your so 2023 for me? Well, it was kind of good and bad. So I had it was a similar kind of thing of trying to get some um, games that had been on the shelf for a while um, to the table, and one of the big ones that I mentioned was War of the Ring, and we did that, um, and and it was fantastic. So a little bit disappointed we actually only ended up playing that once last year. Neil and I really enjoyed that. Uh, so I'm sure that's one we'll try and work on this year. I also put Journey's Middle Earth there. I was just I so much wanted to love this game. I had another really good go at it um, this year, um, but just just couldn't quite get there with it. Um, but it hasn't stopped me watching another copy of it on eBay at the moment, and just going for 25 quid. Thinking, you know, there are also well, some... I'm going to play Shadow Path soon. So once I've done that, I'll send it back down. Uh, then. Others, I sort of wasn't so good at. So I've still got Old Tree on the shelf that hasn't been uh, been played yet, but got a little idea of how I might get that to the table this year. And Asia engulfed. We had a fantastic Europe engulfed session in August uh, of last year, twenty twenty three. But we did manage to do Asia engulfed. I think that was the thing we we were keen to to have a little go at that. Um, but again, maybe that will come back. But the biggest one, I think, the one that I was kind of most excited about at the time, and we've kind of done it with knobs on in last year uh was talking about cuba libre and hitting coin fairly hard yeah so i just had a little learner on that at the end of 2022 and was very keen that we played that and we we played cuba libre i think about three times um we've got into um some fire in the lake a couple of times i've played falling sky um and we played absolute shed load of Andean Abyss on Rally the Troops now. There's no question that for me 2023 was like almost the year of the coin. Although I realised saying that it didn't go anywhere near my games of the year but (laughs) (laughs) it really became uh, I think for for you and I a fixture of games that we want to play and and have uh, have played last year. So I think that's that's a positive takeaway. But you know it wasn't all that perfect in terms of getting everything done that I wanted to. So I have become quite a fan of the YouTube channel, The Players Aid, that do a lot of historical war game stuff. And I'm going to shamelessly pinch uh, something from them as a a tactic to try and get more of my historical uh, war games off the shelf this year. And that is to assign, assign a game to play per month if i manage to get somebody to play it with me fantastic if i have to solo it don't care so i've written out a game per month that i'm I'm going to try and play and where i can i'm going to you know thematically play it in you know the time of year so uh for june i've got normandy 44 penciled in um it's a fairly heavy gmt game that i've that i've got but uh i'm not going to run through all of them whether i stick to it we'll see but it's 12 games, 12 things on the shelf that either never been played or, or not really been played. And a little bit of all of these, and there's more besides that I'm somehow trying to squeeze in, 
he's having this very lucky to have this games table now that I can leave stuff out and in the in the vault of it. And so it's not about packing away. It's a major motivation for me for guessing that table in the first place. But also there's a bit of I have no more space for any more games. And I will end up buying more games this year and there's Kickstarters arriving and stuff. And so I need to do a little bit of a, I'm going to play it. And if, if it's not for me, then it moves out of the collection. And so this is a little bit of that, that motivation to try and do that. I think that's a really good idea because sometimes, yeah, things can spiral out of control and you look and you think, well, I've, I've not had that out all year. Yeah, uh, exactly. And and you're right. There are some bigger games that be, because, you know, you need a, a large group of people or a long weekend in which to get it get it done you might not get out every single year but yeah i think it's a good thing if you're not if you're not playing it you know if it, if in 12 months you can't get it to the table then maybe it's the wrong game the other big thing that we've got right is um six millimeter is that we've spent a bit of cash just some some cajoling and and several years of trying to persuade me to start painting stuff um i'm finally going to give it a go so we have played an increasing number of uh, historical slash historical war games um, over the last couple of years. And we thought we'd dip our toe into some actual miniature wargaming. It's slightly daunting, I, I will have to admit at this point. We've got a small collection of things. They're just little bits of metal on um, whatever the hell it is on, on sprues at the moment. You've made some early progress on this. We're going to cut them out, paint them up try and learn some complicated rules and then throw some dice and see what happens. How excited are you for this? Do you know, I really can't wait. I'm so excited. My The box of my little six mil minis is sat on top of my wardrobe. So I wake up every morning and I look longingly at them and I think soon my dears will be painted and you'll be on the table. Um, I did make the mistake of getting Elijah, who's... Uh, my nine-year-old at Christmas, I got him the Kill Team, which is the Warhammer kind of little skirmish game set. Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, he's not overly interested in historical wargaming yet. He's only nine. <laughs> yeah, just working on it. <laughs> you know, so fantasy of orcs and other things punching each other and shooting each other is a lot more appealing to him. So I got him the Kill Team. So we've spent the time between Christmas and New Year, which I thought, oh, I'll finish all my Napoleonic painting and get it all based. Actually, the time I would have spent, he's then been bringing me his Kill Team stuff and saying, can we get some of this assembled? Can we build it? Can we play with it? Can we paint it? So I, I say sadly, but it's not sadly because I've had a wonderful time, but that's why I'm not any further down the six mil progress. But yeah, that that's definitely on my 2024 you know, is for us to have a little skirmish game of moving our tiny little figures with our big sausage fingers up and down the table, blasting the cannons, firing our muskets. And we don't know what to expect, I think, really. We had, as we said last year, we had a little go at some bolt action, which is like Second World War, but a bit more like Undaunted, I suppose. Um, just threw some dice for a little while. Yeah. We don't really know what to expect with this. We know it's a big part of the hobby extension the hobby different hobby to a certain extent but no we want to give it a go we've enjoyed you've enjoyed star wars legion enjoyed um star wars armada which are kind of adjacent to that um so we'll give it a go and if it's if it's fantastic then 
uh, watch out. Uh, we're going to end up talking about it far too much, but um, it, it might not be. You know, who who knows? We'll we'll play it. Just just the the task list ahead of me of uh, of things I need to, to do in prep. Not least, learn that that rule set. Yeah, so it's worth saying we're we're going to play with the black powder rule set, which I think sits definitely in the lighter end of. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, miniature war game battles. And yeah. and that's part of the reason why, you know, I think, you know, you kind of led that and said, oh, this looks really good. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been reading through my black powder manual. Yeah. But, you know, even in there, it says, you know, these these are designed, the rule set is designed for people that want to just have fun and throw some dice and, and stuff. So, you know, it's kind of open to, not being super strict how things are played. And I think that's what we're kind of looking for to start with at least. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. More to follow on that. How about other games though? So 2024, there's a load of stuff that is coming to me in terms of crowdfunding and, and other games that I'm interested in, but what's on your kind of checklist of things that you're interested to, to look at in uh, in 2024 new new releases in 2024 i'm sure there's a load of 2023 stuff that we'd still want to look at and beyond but um but what about 2024 so kind of three things coming out this year that i'm keen i've i've mentioned it loads before but is uh undaunted 2200 callisto undaunted that we love but with kind of some space combat you know with a, a four-player option as well so you know, I think I think that's looking quite good. That'd be fantastic. The, the problem with a lot of these new releases is there's not messes out there. No, but that looks good. Uh, number two on my list because I kind of missed the kind of missed the the Kickstarter for this just more financially than anything is uh, the crossbows and catapults castle battle coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had that on my list as well. Just it's family friendly. Family it just friends. looks so good. I'm sure it's going to have a hell of a price point on it. I haven't looked at that. Just it's so much plastic. There is, yeah. So, yeah, hopefully it won't be too bad. And then finally, the other game I'm keen to find out a bit more about, which is coming out this year, is Arcs, which yeah. is uh, Cole Worley. And... We picked very similar lists here. Oh, have we? Okay. Which <laughs> is good. Yes, <laughs> I mean, does someone to play with? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I've I've been chatting away. Why don't Why don't you? What What do you think about arcs? So it does look cool. I have a little bit of concern about it that it's, there is an element of uh, trick taking to the game, as I yeah understand it. But it looks cool, and it's from such a, a kind of good pedigree of of game designers that uh, I think it's going to going to be great it's it's one that i was very close to backing actually on uh, kickstarter at the time it probably would have been silly financially as most kickstarters are yeah. uh but but it does look cool doesn't it yeah and and i like the fact that you know you're kind of maybe the objectives are changing you know you're setting how mm. you know how your your victory conditions or your point scoring is going to happen mm. um and it's it's a sort of a a campaign but it's only got three three campaign missions in it as i understand it which is which is quite nice it's not something that's got a huge slog it feels like a a campaign there that you could play again and again yeah i think so and and it looks varied enough that there will be replayability because i think the problem with a lot of the campaign type stuff or or at least what i've played with is by the time you complete it you then think 
oh, no, it's all right. I don't really want to do the same thing again. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird because you can play other games and and actually we played, we taught Elijah Settlers of Catan the other night. You know, we talk about good gateway games. It's an old one. It's a classic one, but, you know, he's he's kind of moving up from that anything 15, 20 minute to something a bit bigger. So we thought, oh, we'll, we'll get him on with that. But realistically, you're just doing exactly the same thing every single time. I know the board varies, but you then talk about, oh, well, I've done the three missions and I don't want to do the three missions again, but I'll quite happily play another game that's pretty much identical every time you play it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Cool. So what, all right, well, you can buy arcs then. You can buy arcs. I'll buy arcs. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think for me, the three games I'm really keen for is that Undaunted Callisto, Crossbows and Catapults and Arcs. Did you have anything else on your list? I think there's only a couple that I'll mention. Uh, so three, three more that I'll mention. So very quickly, Heat, Pedal to the Metal is an expansion to this. It's a big game um, for me in the last couple of years. And it's a little bit annoying that they're doing you can predict two expansions each of which give you one more uh race car and a set of elements rather than just allowing you to do it all in one um that's not great because that would then be the only way to get uh, a full eight person race going on but it looks quite cool it's adding a couple extra tracks and some some more elements still waiting for the uh the flam bruges expansions that were meant to be coming out ages ago but i'm keeping an eye out for that um then also that game brett walder we talked about i think last year yeah. even the year before really cool looking um saxon britain game from phalanx i think it's from phalanx is coming out this year you so nearly back didn't you you were very close eatering for ages looks great um and then one that i think you will be interested in in our forever searching for the pirate game i'm not sure this is going to be it to be fair but there's a really cool looking one come out this year called the hunt for blackbeard i don't know a lot about this game but it came up in a little bit of browsing of what was coming out this year and it looks quite simple but uh it looks um, it looks fun, and as far as I can see, it's got blocks, and we love blocks for all that kind of fog of war thing that we we've talked about and liked in the past. And it's all about the uh, the the hunt for the famous uh, pirate Blackbeard. What's uh, quite interesting, one of the things that drew me to it is it is from Volko Runke, who is the Mister Coin guy. So. My expectation is that this will have similar levels of interest to me as as those have been. So it's on the the watch list, the wish list. So when we play this game, Thomas, am I allowed to put fireworks in my beard? If you don't, be extremely disappointed. (laughs) Um, And then I just think it's worth mentioning, I don't think they're games for us, but coming out this year, I think they're releasing a second reprint of Gloomhaven. They are. Yeah, that's massive. with updated, you know, characters slightly and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So for those that, I mean, I guess if you've got Gloomhaven, unless you're really into it, you might not do it. But for those who have been tempted, it might be worth hanging on for the slightly tweaked version of it. Um, and then the other one coming out, again, I don't think for me, but I think for other people in the community might be interested, is Catan New Energies. Have you seen this? So yeah, 
this this takes settlers of Catan and you kind of start rather than wood and sheep you're using your coal and kind of moving up to you know solar powered and and stuff like that as your resources um with extra bonuses i have to say i'm not overly convinced i don't think it looks particularly great for for such a modern game can i say that i'm just a bit you know having not actually played more than three different versions of Catan, i'm completely over like the just not even over not even interested in the constant reiterations of the Catan. Yeah. um i don't know if that's you know sacrilege to some people but like just just keep reworking over the same game but just applying a different theme to it it's just not interesting to me in the slightest Catan is great but i don't care about like what was it Catan the football edition or something yeah, the, football, the, yeah. the other year like who cares it is massive isn't it so you know i guess they want to kind of you know just just keep plugging that ip yeah. um, i know but i think that's kind of like that's why i just not that puts me off by itself i think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Wormspan as well right talking about having the same game and just applying a different thing on it um they've taken the hugely popular wingspan by Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth Hargrave, and they have adjusted this to a fantasy setting that does seem to have some some significant changes. To be fair, um, but you're largely doing the same thing in terms of collecting um, the, the the this time dragons uh, rather than than birds. I don't know that I need this particularly. Um, I don't know thoughts. No, I I don't own Wingspan. And have always thought, do you know, it's it's one Michelle and Kyra might get on with. They might enjoy. Do you think they would get on with this more? I think Kyra would engage with this theme more. Yeah. Um, I think Michelle would probably go original wing wingspan. So it's hard to know. And and to be to be honest, I think one of the things about wingspan is the artwork on it. Gorgeous. Uh, it was so beautiful. And I have to say, I'm not as convinced by the artwork. Yeah, from what I've seen, yeah. On, okay. On here. You know, okay. I think for some people they'll they'll absolutely love it. Yeah, but I, I also think it, it fits in that kind of you know, flogging a dead horse, isn't it? It's like, right, well, we've got a game, okay, we can put a couple of tweaks in it and we'll turn the birds into dragons. And... Yeah. Yeah. Again, not not one that particularly appeals to me. Um, I kind of kind of going off what Stonemaier are doing recently. I think of the classics that were Wingspan, namely among them, but I just just feel like they are a bit a bit hit and miss. People, you know, some people would get every every one of them, but it's uh, it's not quite not quite for me. The their latest well, ones, I think. You were the same with their expeditions, weren't you? For right, yeah, Scythe. Love it. Wingspan, love it. Viscoulture, love it. Um, some of these other ones, just, yeah, not so much. Those are the games. What about what we're doing? Last year, we had this great experience of going to UK Games Expo for the first ever time. Regrettably, we think at best, we're only going to be uh, attending the Friday uh, and may- maybe maybe not even that. But what, what are the other things that, that we've been talking about 
doing in terms of meetups and and going to to things well i'd have liked to have done the joy of six which is the six mil thing but i I can't seem to find anything it doesn't seem to be up i don't think they're doing it um so that's a bit of a bummer there is in march up at harrogate's aircon i think aircon in harrogate is just going to probably prove you know it's not too far, really. It's only an hour or so from from my house. It's kind of on the doorstep, so I might yeah. go and do a day. But I don't think you're getting up here for. It's just such a long way, unfortunately, from where we are. Uh, yeah. Later on in the year, they've got Manchester Aircon, so that might be one to consider. But excitedly, and you know, we we haven't got anything set in the diary yet, but. Each year we've always met up, so UKGE, and obviously you guys came to me for a couple of days of gaming, and obviously we went to Neil's and played European Golf. So we've had sort of some some big game days. European Golf was amazing. I really enjoyed playing that. But we have talked loosely about the first ever OneCon, mm-hmm. which will be our usual go to a cottage and play a few games. But whereas before it's been three or four of us, and then we've kind of had set games, we've talked loosely and not really got any further than talking loosely about opening it up to a wider group of our friends, you know, even having eight, nine, ten people there. And then we can just have a couple of tables of different games running and... And, uh, yeah, loosely call it a board games convention. <laughs> it's the very first iteration of the I'm Having My One podcast convention where, uh, you know, it's exclusive, exclusive invite only. Uh, I think it'd just be really good. It's just rather than when we've done those things historically, as you say, it's been around playing like Twilight or or whatever. But hopefully, yeah, just getting a load of like-minded people together to to play some of the millions of games that, that we have collectively. Uh, and if that's some people are just, you know, having a two player game of seven wonders over there and then there's a six player game of uh, June and then a, you know, wingspan or something going on somewhere else, then, then great. I think yeah. I mean, I've been desperately went, wanting a copy of Pendragon to magically appear in my games collection, which is the, uh, the Roman Britain iteration of the coin games. Yeah. And and I'm aware that isn't going to be up everyone's street, but you and I would definitely play it. And hopefully there might be one or two others that would be interested. Yeah. But but that's the the benefit of I think having so many people is we can say, right, well, we'll go off for a couple of hours and yeah. and do, you know, and do Pendragon and you guys can go and play brass or yeah. whatever else it might be. Catan new energies maybe uh, <laughs> and then we can all come together maybe in the evening for some just one and ultimate werewolf or you know some of the other like, yeah. larger group games yeah there's lots lots of great possibilities so we'll, we'll keep you posted on that i think it's a really exciting thing for us to be looking at um we'll probably throw in uh, a twilight day somewhere in there uh some other little beat-ups where we can it's going to be a fantastic year for us in 2024 for gaming. A million other things going on in life always, uh, but we're, we're we're lucky enough to be able to, to uh, create these these occasions in our lives. And have very understanding wives. That's basically what it comes down to. That's our look ahead to 2024. Loads of really good stuff to look forward to. 
please join us on these podcasts all the way through the year. Uh, we love doing them uh, and hopefully um, it's something that uh, you, <laughs> you enjoy us wittering on about it uh, and repeating ourselves, no doubt. That was the episode, episode number 41. A great start to 2024. It's going to be amazing. Loads of cool things to look forward to. I'm just repeating myself again. I don't know why I'm not actually looking at my notes here. <laughs> just break it up. It's, it's just wing, winging it for some reason. Just wingspanning it. Wingspanning it. There are going to be so many interesting things that we're going to bring to you over the course of this year on these podcasts. We are all over Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so have a, a follow of us on there just to see what we're up to uh, week to week. Podcasts are coming out uh, every couple of weeks as normal. And then if you want something a bit more, there's always the Discord. Please do join us on there, either by contacting us directly on one of those social media um, or going via our website, imhavingmyone.com. Loads of good chat in there, some good pictures that are shared uh, and, a, and a growing community always, which is which is cool. So without further ado, thank you again very much for, for listening to this episode. And if you're a new listener, thank you for, for trying us out. Uh, I hope you'll stay with us. And if you're uh, an old timer, uh, thanks for sticking with us. We've been up having my one, and we hope you have yours too. Got there in the end, didn't I? Crikey. I'm having my one. The rustle of the Rennie for emergency podcast recordings. <laughs> the chalky, <laughs> chalky crunch of a. Oh, a double Rennie. Yeah. Yes, please. Um, what did you have for dinner? Curry. What did you have for pudding? Two Rennie. <laughs> Spearmint flavour. Anything else to go on this? Otherwise, what scores? Uh, yeah, I think the only thing I want to add is um, a shower cup of tea is not as good as a shower beer, but it's still pretty good. Out of context, Otto. Otto.